one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ooh, I didn't know this existed. Should we have some fun, folks? The official Formula One website at the end of every season does a little list for the team bosses and the drivers to complete. Who do they rate as the 10 best drivers of the season? And there are some differences here, folks, but let's just make one thing clear. Max Verstappen is at the top of both lists, as he was last year. So at the bottom of the top 10 list for both camps, it's Sergio Perez, 10th place. Now, this to me is a little bit harsh, but last year he was rated around about in the bottom half of the top 10. And to be fair, he wasn't completely thrashed as he was this year. It becoming very clear from Max Verstappen that the moment that Sergio Perez got his win in Baku, Max was keen to not have that happen again. We realised that, oh, this wasn't Max just naturally being better than Checo. He was determined to stop Sergio from winning another race. And it's like, whoa, and this is Checo wanting to win the title next year. Oh, God, don't stoke Max, Checo. So, yes, after that, he did kind of fumble. And there were plenty of mistakes from Sergio Perez. And he was very lucky not to be out of the top 10. I am kind of surprised he was this low though because he did secure second place in the drivers championship and gave Christian Horner what he was looking for, a clean sweep for the first time in Red Bull's existence. So he did do some achievements there. But I suppose all the accidents and the crashes and the fumbling of the bag, it kind of probably compromised him and there probably were better drivers in terms of perspective. When it comes to number 9, the team bosses put George Russell, whereas the drivers rated Pierre Gasly. Now, this little bit of a disconnect is something that really intrigues me. And you want to know what's even more interesting is that George Russell does not make the driver's list at all. He's not on there, which is something really intriguing because the team bosses probably rate George a little more than Checo for the fact that he was there in helping doing the deed in getting Mercedes second place in the constructors and technically doing better than they did last year. And I also feel like in terms of being a team player, George Russell was doing his best to play the team game, 
even though that did result in him making quite a few mistakes, like in Canada and in Singapore, but he did have that get-up-and-go attitude that was manifested at Williams. This is the kind of thing, as I've said many times, that Mercedes need to capitalise on. And I reckon the team bosses from the different teams valued that, especially James Vowles, the team where he learnt that tenacity from. Mercedes would do well to take heed of that, but at the same time, George does need to take it down a notch, so... Maybe that's why he's quite down on the list. And in terms of the drivers not rating him, that's really intriguing. But they do rate Pierre Gasly. So I suppose that's got something to do with him doing quite a good job in his first season at Alpine. He got a podium, just like Ocon, who, by the way, did not make the list in either camp. And I'm not really going to go there today. I'm already stirring the pot when it comes to Esteban. So I don't want to do that here. But Pierre did make the list for the drivers as the ninth best driver of the season. And I'm guessing that's just for the fact that he managed to integrate himself quite well with the team and that there is a mindset going on in there. And Pierre is coming into that team at the right time, steering the camp in his direction, which might be a little bit more agreeable. And considering how well he did at AlphaTauri, in terms from a driver's perspective, he did a good job but not quite as good as the people who got to P8. For the team bosses, they rated Alex Albon, and for P8 for the drivers, it was Oscar Piastri, a new entry. Now, what's really cool here is that Oscar Piastri made the list in his rookie year, and that is very impressive, considering that the other rookies probably didn't. And when Franz Toss left, the former boss of Avatari, he said that two drivers simply did not belong on the grid, but he didn't say who it was because he was trying to be kind, but wow. What a way to leave, making that kind of an impression. But we're not going to go there because Oscar Piastri definitely was not one of those two. Him in his rookie year, at points, made us forget that he was a rookie. And in the eyes of the drivers, that is something that they rated fairly well. But Oscar Piastri does feature in the team bosses thing a little bit later on. But in terms of Alex Albon, that is completely justified. Alex completely turned things around for that team, giving Williams P7 and the constructors and providing the team some kind of hope that whatever James Vowles is doing is working. The team combination of Albon and Vowles and now Pat Fry building the team up again, it's going to be pretty juicy. And the team bosses have recognised the value and contribution that Alex has provided so he makes the top 10 for Williams. And you know that I was talking about Oscar Piastri making an impression, but the team bosses, he was there at number seven. And Alex does the complete switch, and he is valued more by the drivers than the team bosses. Now, this is all relative. P8, P7, not that much of a difference, but the drivers rate Alex's contribution slightly more than Oscar's, and I think I can understand why. Probably for the fact that Alex was able to turn his career around in such a short space of time. When he got demoted to being a reserve driver, having no room at the inn because Pierre Gasly got that in 2019 for Toro Rosso and then Alfa Tauri, people didn't think he would get a chance to be back in Formula 1. Then he got his time at Williams and he was proven right to have been selected for that team. And the teams obviously rate this uptick in form and his second chance in Formula 1 quite highly. Of course, for the drivers, list, there were other drivers that did better. But the fact is, though, is that Alex Albon has completely redefined his career, and the drivers have recognised that. And for Oscar Piastri and being rated higher by the team bosses, I mean, come on. It's a brand new rookie. Young blood. And considering how that Zach Brown is locking that guy down considerably, and Andrea Stella likens him to a combination of Michael Schumacher and Fernando Alonso, of course the team bosses are going to rate him quite highly, because he is a star for the future. He is probably going to be on this list again next year, and probably broaching the top five. Everyone's really intrigued about what Oscar can do here, folks. You really should keep an eye on this boy. Seriously. Now this one is pretty cut and dry. Carlos Sainz is rated in sixth for both the bosses and the drivers. I feel that this year, this is quite justified because 
I felt like for the first time, Carlos Sainz could be perceived as a proper front runner. Like, he's not a midfield driver with imposter syndrome right here. Sure, he made his career defining himself as being a bit of an underdog with McLaren, getting that podium for them, 2020 being fantastic for him. He gets the call up to Ferrari, expected to be the number two for Charles, but then he completely doesn't do that and gives him a headache. And now he got the only non-Red Bull win this season. This has been his year in redefining him completely in the Formula One space. But at the same time, that comes with some caveats, because if you're going to be rated as a front-running driver now, there are going to be higher standards. And I think that next year is going to be very interesting in the direction of where Ferrari is going to go, because it's going to be quite obvious that Ferrari want to keep Charles Leclerc. Fred Vasseur is a Charles Leclerc fan, and both contracts are up next year. Who are they going to prioritise? Even though they claim that there are not going to be any team orders. Yeah, right. Of course, it's going to be Charles. Carlos Sainz is going to be banging his head against a wall, trying to convince the team to go his direction. But Charles does have the impetus. So it's going to be up to Carlos Sainz this year to really stake his claim for any other team. Many people mooting him for Audi and the Sauber project for 2025. But he's been insisting that he's not going to do that. He's determined to stay at Ferrari for as long as he can. That is fair enough, because Ferrari might be on the uptick with their Project 676 idea. And considering that he is now in sixth place, it's certainly brought him closer to Charles Leclerc than last year. Charles Leclerc tumbling down the order slightly in both camps. For the drivers, they rate him as the fifth best driver. But who's the fifth best driver for the bosses? Why, it's none other than Lewis Hamilton. Really? Well, I guess when you think about the other drivers, I think there might be some justification here. But hear me out. This is not me rating him. This is the team bosses rating him lower than the drivers are. I reckon it's down to the fact that there are other drivers on this list that have gotten some more achievements over Lewis. Sure, Lewis has cemented himself as the best of the rest for 2023, securing third place in the Drivers' Championship, almost getting second place right at the end in a much inferior car to the RB19, providing that real good mentality. That would have been really tenacious if he got that. Second place in the driver's standings in what could be described as the third or fourth fastest car sometimes. That would have been a really impressive show, especially without a single win to his name. But at the same time, there are other drivers that probably the team bosses rate slightly higher. But the fact he's in the top five is still a solid position and the drivers do rate him higher. But who is higher than Lewis Hamilton in the eyes of the team bosses? Well, that is Charles Leclerc. And in fourth place for the drivers, it's none other than little Lando Norris. Now, for the drivers, I certainly don't find this surprising at all, because Lando Norris has scored the most amount of podiums in a single season for himself and is looking likely to kick on into being Lando Prime for the following year. Sure, he's got the likes of Oscar Piastri breathing down his neck, but Oscar still has a lot to work on. It's only his second season in Formula One. There's plenty of unknowns here, whereas with Lando, there are more known quantities at play here. The fact that he was able to go from one podium in 2022 to nigh on seven this season, that's incredible progress. And McLaren are just looking better and better and better. So I think that first win is very, very likely. But I don't know when exactly. Maybe we might see that at Imola, perhaps, one of his favourite tracks, or maybe at Austria, another one of his favourite tracks. Certainly being intrigued to see that. But I feel like this position for the drivers is perfectly fair. But as for Charles with the bosses, maybe the bosses are aware because they're running the entire widget that bad luck came into play for Charles' season. He was so close to getting a better position in the driver's standings, but 
bad luck in Brazil particularly got the better of him. His poll to win conversion rate is very unfortunate. And I think the team bosses recognized this, that there were factors beyond his control that hindered his campaign in 2022 and in 2023. So therefore, that's why I can see maybe he's in P4 for the team bosses at least. But we got to go back to Lando because they actually rate Lando in P3, the team bosses, which is really intriguing. Not too dissimilar to the amount of praise that I was mentioning for the drivers. But in terms of P3 for the drivers, that's Fernando Alonso. I'm not surprised at all. Fernando Alonso being in the top three, of course he is. At the age of 42, he scores that many podiums for Aston Martin, who nobody expected to be that good. Although really, they were kind of mooting that in the previous season in terms of their five-year plan. So this shouldn't come as such a major surprise. But the fact is, though, he does make this list and quite well deserved. Although the team bosses rate him slightly higher in second place. But he is one of the biggest stories of the season, getting that many podiums for an unsuspecting team at that age in his 40s. We did not expect that at all. Sure, Fernando Alonso is tenacious and he would have gotten some really feisty podiums, maybe one or two, but not that many, surely. This was remarkable. And now we can realistically think that next year, if Aston Martin get their five-year plan right and they can focus on their upgrade path properly instead of deviating from Canada, we could see a Fernando Alonso win, finally. And that would be tremendous for the sport. But in terms of the drivers, they rate Lewis Hamilton slightly higher. And I'm guessing maybe from the eyes of the drivers, he was working with a car that was not agreeable for the majority of the season. And yet he was still able to get podiums, have tremendous end game when they, the drivers, are fighting against Lewis Hamilton and he comes steaming through. And I think in that situation, they consider him to be quite formidable. And that's probably why he's the second best driver. And of course, he has those seven titles as well. But Max Verstappen being at the top of both. I mean, of course, I mean, what else are you going to say? But then I'm also thinking, who did not make this list who I think deserves to be on this list? Well, for starters, I think that Nico Hülkenberg could have had a cheeky little nod, considering that he was Haas's only saving grace in getting that many Q3 appearances in arguably one of the slowest race cars on the grid, which is something that really Haas need to cling on to. They didn't get that chance to have that little bit of glory with Nico there. Daniel Ricciardo not being on the list? Well, it's nice to have him back as a miracle story, but we didn't really get to see enough of his tale because he was hindered with that injury, which he had to resort to MotoGP levels of recovery and something he found incredibly bizarre. And he likened it to having his hand being squashed by an elephant in terms of the recovery process. And then, of course, there's Yuki Tsunoda, the other AlphaTauri driver. Considering that he was carrying that team for the first half of the season, and this has probably been one of his most complete seasons to date, him not making the top 10 is a little bit unfortunate and something I really think he deserved a little bit of praise from, at least from the drivers. But that's all very well and good of the drivers and the team bosses giving their opinions and ratings for the drivers. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for listening to my ladder ramblings. If you liked what you heard, do be sure to leave a five-star rating on your podcasting platform of choice. I really do appreciate it. And until the next time I traverse the ladder, I hope you have a pleasant day. Goodbye.